our Father, we thank you for the beautiful temperature outside and for the magnificence of your handiwork in the mountains. We know you are alive. And we thank you, our Father, as has been given many times this morning. Thanks for many, many, many things. We are so thankful that we are here today, that we are under your watch and protection. We are praying this morning, our Father, for those on the prayer list that were spoken. Especially we want to remember the family that has lost this two-month-old little baby boy. How heartbroken they must be. And so we pray that you're the great comforter and that you will send your spirit of comfort upon these. And then we pray for the friends of ours, the Hall family. Many, many years from Stryker Bible Church they attended. And Lord, the influence that they have said this church has had on them, may Lord Jesus, you go unto them in a special way in this time of grief. And Lord, as they make this decision for their dear mother, we ask you to have mercy upon them. And Father, we're thankful that Ramona knows you as her personal Savior and that she will just simply go to be with thee. And we're thankful that they will have that knowledge and that you will comfort them with that. Now, Father, we pray for anyone here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, that this might be that hour that they might receive him and the gladness of salvation, the joy of salvation. And then, Father, we pray for all of us who are saved that we might be revived. We don't want to wait till next week. We want you to revive us now, oh, Father. Help us to see our sin as you see it. And may we confess it, and may we, our Father, do something about it. May we rescue the perishing and care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is Lord. And we pray thy power and blessing, love and authority upon this word today. We ask it in Jesus' name. For his help we we pray. Amen. Amen. The message changed from uh, what the bulletin says to what I'm going to tell you now. And that message is soul winning revival. Soul winning revival. The reason I changed the message after I had already typed the bulletin is because I feel that we as Christians here at Stryker Bible Church need to hear some of the statistics that I have read about this week and this caused us to change our mind about how to present the word this morning. Statistics tell us 
that 75% of church attenders do not think it is important to witness for Jesus. Let that digest. Statistics tell us that 95% of Christians have never won a soul to the Lord. Now, you'll have to ask yourself that question. I would never embarrass anyone and ask how many people have ever personally led someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as a one-on-one contact. And 90% of pastors have never won a soul one-on-one contact Witnessing to a person, to the Lord, 90%. So this sounds like to me that we need revival in soul winning. What is soul winning? Soul winning is presenting the gospel to a lost person with the purpose of converting them to Christ. Let us read the wisest man that we've been studying about on Wednesday night. The wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus. Proverbs chapter number 11, Brother Solomon said, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that... Might you all read this with me? He that winneth souls is wise. And so this morning, there are many reasons why we should win souls. And with the upcoming revival, what an opportunity we have to invite people to hear the Word of God. You might even put them on a guilt trip. I mean, the Bible does say we should pull them out of the fire. So therefore, if you have a loved one, a friend, or acquaintance that you're concerned about their soul, maybe you need to use some, whatever it takes to get them to come and hear the Word of God. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They will never be saved sitting home. Never. They must hear the Word of God preached. So this morning I have chosen four Reasons why we should be soul winning. Actually, Jesus has chosen those four. And he is the first one that we will speak of. If you will turn with me to Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 19, a verse that is very mission-minded here in this church and was at McConnell in that church and with many of the dear ones that have passed on and gone on to be with the Lord, Sister Alice and Twyla and Don and Hope and uh, those that, uh, uh, Elaine Freeman and those that that uh, emphasized, Miss Leota Campbell and McConnell, emphasizing the importance of winning people to Christ. Jesus commands it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go ye... 
or you into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye, go you. You see, Jesus did not say, uh, I think it would be a good idea. He said, go you. Are we obeying Jesus' last command before He ascended back to the Father? Are we obeying Him? Go ye. Now where does He say to go? He says, go ye into all the world. You see, this is how the church is reproduced. We do not go out and try to get someone to learn the eight pathway steps to to uh, uh, karma as the Buddhist. We do not we do not go and teach someone how to pray five times a day as the Muslims. We simply ask everyone, or Jesus asks everyone, to go tell. His story. That's history. What happened to you? How did you get acquainted with Christ? How did this come about? And so you cannot say, I can't, because God has saved you. And you have something to tell. That's called good news. Man, if someone saved me from a burning house or someone saved me from drowning in a swimming pool, I would brag on them. I would, t- I would say, man, so-and-so, man, they rescued me when I was going down the third time. An old lady that uh, Debbie and I sort of adopted there in McConnell to help, and we became, unknowingly, we were going to become her power of attorney. Uh, we would check on her, or I would check on her several times, uh, maybe a week. And uh, one time I had a little medical situation, and it was about three days, and I hadn't called or checked on Marianne. And um, so uh, I called, and there was no answer. And I told Debbie, I said, that don't sound good. So I went down to Marianne's house, and she had given me a key to, uh, to get into her house in case sometimes she fell, and she was pronged to do that. And she was laying in the floor, had been there three days, and could not get up. And so instantly I called 911 and got her up, and she was in the hospital about a month after that. But she told everybody that I had saved her life. Even over at Pikeville in her hospital bed there, she told people, He saved my life. And I feel like, you don't have to say this. It's kind of getting embarrassing. But she wanted everyone to know that I had done that. You see, Jesus says, go into all the world. Every day, everywhere, every occasion. Go into all the world. And I think about my sister, Hope Beach, who was such an inspiration to me. The pastor's wife here at Stryker Bible Church as I was growing up as a youth. And she would stand up and testify. Her life verse was 1 Peter chapter 3 
and verse 15. And she said, this verse is my life verse, and I try to practice it as often as I can. And it says, but sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Be always ready to give an example of the hope that is in you. And the hope that is in each one of us is the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Matthew 28, 19 says we should preach it. Now I know that some of you may feel awkward about preaching. But preaching is not getting up here and slobbering and yelling and screaming and jumping up and down the aisle. Preaching is simply telling someone the good news. Preaching means to proclaim the good news. The good news is Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants you to live for Him. And, And so Romans chapter 10, Paul says he wants all of us to have beautiful feet. Now, mine are stinky occasionally. But Paul says that your feet should be beautiful. And I think feet are about the ugliest part of the human body. Some of you women try to put paint on them to look them pert, make them look prettier. But Paul says this. Romans 10 and 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I want to ask you this question. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have pretty feet? If you preach the gospel, you have pretty feet, Jesus says. Because you're going and bringing glad tidings of great things. Where do we go? To every creature. To every creation. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's not a soul, black, white, yellow, red, rich, poor, or in between that Jesus Christ doesn't want us to reach with the gospel. Amen. And we read what he says in the last invitation of the Bible. Revelation chapter number 22 and verse 17. And the spirit and the bride, that's you and I, the church, come, let him that heareth come, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him Take the water of life freely. Let them come. And let us go get them. So Jesus commands it. Now, how many of you are, were obedient to your parents? And if you weren't, you got a little tea. Anybody, everybody ever hear that expression? You want a little tea? 
There was a little switch over the visor in my mom's car. I didn't like that. I didn't want it to be there. But every now and then, it happened. So we see it is a command of Jesus that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. Secondly, we should want to be a soul winner. This should encourage us immensely to be a soul winner because Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. Prophecy is being fulfilled daily. Turn with me and let us see what Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter number 13, and verse number 33. Mark 13, 33. Take heed, Jesus says, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is like a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye, therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening, or at midnight, or at cock crowing, or in the morning, Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. I want to tell you folks, we are living, we have to be living in the last days of the last days. Why? Why would someone make such a strong statement as that? Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter number 37. And we find out that the old prophet was given a look to the future. Chapter number 37. And as we had studied already this year, Nehemiah, and how the Jewish people had been taken out of their homeland and taken into Babylon. And there they were under the uh, slavery of uh, the Chaldeans and Nebuchadnezzar. And then the Persians uh, took over the Chaldean kingdom and conquered them. And the Persians then were in control of the Hebrew people. And Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the walls and they rebuilt the temple and the people started going back. But yet Israel for the last 2,500 years had not been their own country. They had not had their own government. And now we see that Ezekiel prophesied that it was going to happen. Chapter number 37 and verse Number 12, therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and he's speaking to Israel, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. May the 16th 
1948, 71 years ago, Israel became its own country. What a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus could not have come before that date. But now Jesus can come at any moment. Now just think, wow, the last two weeks and multiple prophecies have taken place. But these last two weeks that you and I have been living Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter number 38. Prophecy has been fulfilled right before your nose. Let us read it. Ezekiel said, And the the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, that is the leader of, of the land of Magog. May I put the names in place as if it were today. The name would be Putin and the land would be Russia. The prince of Meshach and Tobal. Tobal interpreted today Turkey, Russia and Turkey. What are they doing? They are taking over the northern section of Syria. Syria. Who is Syria's neighbor? Israel. What does God say is going to happen? Listen. And say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against, O God, the chief prince of Meshach and Tobal, I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws. I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor and even shields, a great company with bucklers and shields, and of them handling swords. Prussia, that is Iran today, my folks, Cush and Put, and that is Ethiopia and Sudan, with them and all them with shields and helmets. You can add in there Libya and Germany and some other countries in Europe that are going to be against Israel, and it is taking place right now. Right now. Ezekiel prophesied that Russia and Turkey and these other, and you know Iran has said, the leaders of Iran, we're going to blow Israel off the face of the earth. All this is now right before our eyes. Jesus is coming soon. Now why do I say that? To be prophetic? No. I'm hoping to light a fire under some of us. You have loved ones that are lost going to hell. You have people that you love that you want you want to be with them. You want them to go to heaven. But what are we doing about it? This is before us. And we sit back like, oh well, I'm watching the days of my life and 
I'm watching as my stomach turns and and I'm playing bingo and, and all the other little games on on my phone and and people are not ready to meet Jesus. Thirdly, there is a great positive reason we ought, ought to be out soul winning, folks. If you love your family, you are tightly knit family. If you enjoy being with them at Christmas, if you are planning a big Thanksgiving dinner and you're inviting the whole clan to come, if you take vacations with your family and every one of them are with you, if you go to family reunions and you enjoy their company, they're not going to be with you in heaven if you don't talk to them about their soul. <coughs> Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. Let me stop and just ask this question. Those people that you have family reunions with, you go on vacation with, you have dinner with at Thanksgiving, you have Christmas with, and your friends that you are with every day at school or at work or in the community, are they saved? Are you doing anything to get them to realize they need to go to heaven with you? Heaven is a place. Prepared for a prepared people. Read John 14.6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes unto the Father except by me. There is so much confusion out there in the world today about who goes to heaven. Read the obituaries. Everybody thinks that their loved one, because they were a good person, dies and goes to heaven. That is not true. 9-11 happened. I remember that. They got on uh, the, the TV and all these ceremonies and rituals they had. All these innocent people died and went to heaven. No, they did not. They all weren't saved. You say, well, how do you know that? Because everyone sitting here today isn't saved. And if everyone sitting here and 50 or 60 people aren't saved, then how in the world could 2,000 or 3,000 people in two different buildings all be saved? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven is a place of glorious preparation that Jesus is making for us right now. First, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, I have not seen... Ear hath not heard what God has prepared for those that love Him. John describes heaven. And I'm, I'm going to ask Sister Peggy to read this. He has described heaven for us. The heavenly capital of this world is going to come right down and hover over Jerusalem. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, 
and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a gentleman's stone, clear as crystal. And he had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, and 144, 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was of pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysophase, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, <coughs> and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of, the, of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the old song says, How beautiful heaven must be. Amen. What a place. And if you enjoy the company of your loved ones, your friends, your acquaintances, they won't be there if we don't talk to them about their need for Jesus the Christ. And so we've looked this morning at the commandment of Jesus to go ye into all the world. We've looked at the fact that Christ is at the seconds away from coming back God's time to receive us. And we see the most beautiful place that even the words that were read could not really emphasize the beauty and the magnificence of heaven and how we want our loved ones and friends to be there. But we've got to do something about that. We cannot sit back on our hinds and do nothing. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday and give an account of why we did not witness to people when we had the opportunity to do so. 
And my friends, fourthly, as sure as there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to shun. You know, hell was not created for mankind. The Bible says God created hell for the devil and his angels. But when Adam and Eve chose to sin against God and their ancestors or their their offspring refused to, to make sacrifice and refused to, to accept uh, that God was the creator and was going to be the savior and through that animal sacrifice they could be saved through the shedding of blood. Those people, God had no other alternative because of their sin but to send them to this place where the devil and his angels are going to eternally abode. And, and so, you and I, listen, you and I need, if you love your sister, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor, the people you work with, if you love them and you want them to be with you in heaven, then you've got to do something to keep them from going to hell. Listen, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter number 25 and verse number 41. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he also said unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Hell is not like a paper that you set on fire or a match that you light and it only lasts for a few seconds. Jesus said it is everlasting. Amen. Turn to what Jesus said in Mark. And you do know that Jesus spoke more about hell to warn people than he did heaven. Mark chapter 9, notice what warning he gives. Verse number 43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not. And the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter lame into life than to have two feet and be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now notice, it's everlasting. It will never be quenched. The worm dieth not. The worm? Now, 
two different opinions on that from commentaries that we have read. Your conscience will never let you forget that you had an opportunity on October the 27th at the Stryker Bible Church to come forward and receive Jesus as your Savior. Your conscience will never let you forget the many times that the pastor came knocking and asking you to come to church and you did not. The conscience will not let you in hell for, let you forget the Billy Graham crusades you watched on TV and you would not conf confess Christ as your Savior or that track that somebody gave you and you wadded up and threw in the trash. The conscience will not let you forget that you were born in a free nation that had the gospel to proclaim to you each and every time that you turned around and you refused and rejected the gospel. Or the other thought is that there is a literal worm that will gnaw on your eternal soul throughout eternity that you will be in more pain than just the flames with. Now, I cannot tell you which one it is, but I will tell you neither one of them would be a thing that I would want to have to put up with throughout eternity. In Luke chapter number 16, Jesus gave, he gave a story about a person that he had known. This person's name was Lazarus. He was not the Lazarus that was raised by Jesus from the dead, but he was a poor person who died. And he laid at the gate of a rich man that only would give him the crumbs occasionally from his table. And the only friends that this rich man had were the dogs that came and licked his sores. And in chapter 16 and verse number 23, we read the account of this rich man. And in hell... He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Father Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torments in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth the good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides this, there is a there is between us, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they would not be able to pass from here to you, cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come here. Again, we see in this passage a more entailed description of torment. Now, little kid I was, my mom had told me, never touch the stove. But inquisitive I was, and as I went to touch the stove and that red hot cap, I burned my fingers in, an, in amazement. Being warned that I should not, but I did. And people today are warned that there is a hell. And people today 
laugh and make fun and ignore and say someday that they'll be blistered too. Amen. Notice he had thirst. I don't know what I ate last night that was so hot, but I drank a lot last night when I went home. It caused me to thirst. But there'll be no water in hell. There'll be no Gatorade in hell. There'll be no relief. For it is a place of darkness. Hell, fire, and brimstone. If you noticed. Brimstone is a sulfuric fire that burns dark. There will be no parties in hell. There will be no looking up your friend and talking about old times. There'll be no but light in hell. There won't be any light in hell. But there will be the memory that you had an opportunity and you refused. And you need to tell your friends and your loved ones and your family members and your acquaintances that they need to get saved because there is an old-fashioned, literal, burning hell where souls go that reject the free gift of Jesus the Christ on the cross and the blood that He shed for our sins if they don't get saved. That's not a threat. That's just what the Bible says. It's just a fact of eternal life. There is separation in hell. Notice, if you would, that God emphasizes in the Revelation, and we'll read this again probably in a few weeks, chapter 20 and verse number 10. Chapter 20 and verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented how long? day and night forever and ever drop down to verse 14 and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast where? Into the lake of fire. Now, some of you may be sitting there thinking this, because a lot of people do think this. Why would a loving, kind God that says He loves everyone send those He created to a place like that? And now I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. You may not even have to turn. You may not even have to look at the screen. For the wages of sin is death. Why do people go to hell? Because they choose to sin against a loving, gracious God that sent His Son and in a torturous way, was nailed to a cross for six hours and bled the blood of God out for the salvation of their soul. And they said, no thanks, God, no thanks. So indirectly, God doesn't send anyone to hell. You send yourself there by rejecting His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's bow our heads just for a moment before we have our invitation. I wonder this morning, and now I do want you to lift your hands. How many in this room has a very close loved one that is not saved? Almost everyone's hand has gone up. How many in this room today have attempted to win them to the Lord? Not everybody's hand has gone up. My friends, there's four solid reasons Jesus said we ought to go into all the world. Jesus is coming soon. Prophecy is being fulfilled right now. <laughs> right now. I mean, we, we're living so close. There is a heaven that you want your friends and loved ones to go to. It was described this morning. And there is a hell that outside of Satan and his demonic force, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go to. So what are we doing as an individual? What are we doing as a church? What are we doing to rescue the perishing? A lot of people say, Mr. Godley, why in the world don't you retire? Well, I can give you 75 good reasons on Friday in the little theater at Logan High School, 75 precious young people were told, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? They were told how it could be written. Now, whether any of them made that decision or not, I don't know. But I know one thing. God has put me there for a reason, and I'm going to take advantage of it. Now, God has put people in your lives I don't know who they are. You know who they are. There are people that I may never meet. I hope I do here in this church someday. But you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. And my friend, listen. Your preacher loves you. And I don't mean to be mean today, but I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to stand. I'm not going to stand before God someday and hear Him say, Why didn't you tell your congregation they need to be soul winners? Because you've heard it today. You've got no excuse. We've got a revival coming up. You know, and, and I'm not trying to lift me up. I'm not. It's my opportunity as a pastor here to go out and try to fill pews. Every Saturday I go. Every Saturday I knock on doors. Yesterday I talked with two different people for at least 45 minutes that live in eyesight, almost eyesight, Around the bend here, almost in eyesight, right up the road here in eyesight of the church. What are you doing? Are you trying to get somebody saved? Listen, church, we need to get up. We need to quit whining and belly aching, and we need to get out and about and do our Father's business. He that winneth souls is wise. 